The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Steady Investor with Mark Vickery and Mitch Zacks. In our program today, we'll help you get started or continue to build your nest egg with some of the best practices for retirement planning. It's time to start right now. Here are your hosts, Mitch Zacks and Mark Vickery. Hello, hello, listeners of VoiceAmerica.com's business channel. You're listening to The Steady Investor, sponsored by Zacks Investment Management. I'm your co-host, Mark Vickery. And uh, Mitch Zacks is off today. He's the portfolio manager and founding principal at Zacks Investment Management. We thought because it's the holiday season, we would do something a little bit special. So today we're joined by Scott Schneider, who is the president of Zacks Advantage. And I wanted to talk to, uh, first of all, good morning, Scott. Good morning. That's morning. a nice, uh, nice winter brisk uh, day here in Chicago. And uh, we're just kind of getting with it. It's great uh, to be here. Yeah, right. Okay, so uh, we're talking about uh, Zacks Advantage for this segment. And then we're going to go back to uh, greatest hits of uh, the steady investor for the second two segments uh, for the listeners out there. Uh, so, Scott, let's start off with, please tell us, what is Zach's Advantage? Um, Zach's Advantage is um, our robo-advisor. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a uh, all-in-concept, it's, it's a wealth management um, approach to automated investing. So, basically, what a robo-advisor is, is it's an automated system right. that has portfolios, and it's a low-cost ETF uh, solution for investing. Okay, and so there's a lot of robo advisors out there right now in the market. Uh, what differentiates Zach's advantage? Well, many of the robo advisors currently are um, a set it and forget it um, option, where you go into the system, you pick a portfolio based upon your risk analysis, and you invest for the long term in a set standard of ETF selections and asset allocation. So you um, fill out the online form. Yeah, basically ten questions. It tells you what your risk is, and it goes here. XYZ portfolio, you should invest in this and you can allocate to that portfolio. Okay. At Zach's Advantage, we've taken it to another level where because we are part of Zach's Investment Management, where we have 30 years of experience in wealth managers, right. um, we've combined active and passive management into one unit. And so our um, automated investment advisory um, has an active um, component to it. So we actively manage the automated process. Wow, so every, every month we have an investment committee meeting made up of the brightest minds of Zach's investment management. We go through the allocation process every month. We do a quarterly review of all our ETFs through um, our own research. And so we try to um, um, come up with the best allocation we can and pick the highest class ETFs for the lowest cost. So um, what our solution allows um, investors is they get access to the Zach's investment management, um, you know, uh, investment expertise, right? Um, in an automated solution, and it's low cost. And the, and the one thing that's uh, a big advantage for uh, RoboAdvisor is the low cost of uh, our management fees. Um, basically, what we charge is um, anything 
uh, between 25 basis points okay. up to 50 basis points, depending on the size of the account. Okay. And this is still a fiduciary uh, setup, though. Is that right? So you're looking after the client base first. Well, that's the thing. Yes, we actually are, are, are quite um, active in terms of the management. So therefore, okay. what we've done is we've set up a, a process where clients can get the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, but because technology allows us to automate a lot of the, uh, the chores in terms of managing money, we can pass along the savings to them. So what used to cost, you know, a management fee of, you know, 2%, um, it's come way down. Sure. Now, you know, this is different than Zach's investment management, which is a more complex um, offering. Where you sit down with the actual. Well, and also they have many, 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 many different positions. You can customize that. Correct. Um, however you want it. This one is you go online, you go through um, our system, it asks you tw- uh, 10 questions, it comes up with a portfolio recommended for you. Um, and then you invest your money, and then you just set it and forget it, and it's all automated online. Um, and we have 13 different asset classes. Um, we are a balanced portfolio. Um, and so uh, in terms of what the customer gets is they get um, a wealth management uh, approach to a, a lower cost option. Sure, sure. And so to whom do you primarily market? Um, well, we, you know, we set up Zach's uh, Advantage um, as the robo-advisor we were thinking for the sophisticated um, high net worth investor who appreciates active management. All right. You know, I mean, the people we speak to, typically, um, they give some allocation here or maybe for their kids or grandkids mm-hmm. um, to grow their assets over time. Um, we think that just being in the markets and compounding your wealth over time in a balanced portfolio is a great thing. And for us, it's done, it's done very well. Um, and our clients love the ETF um, uh, model. A lot of the clients that we have who are high net worth, who are older, um, haven't really heard about robo-advisors. They've sort of heard about it a little bit because- It's a generational thing. Well, because what happened was it's come out, came out in 2009, right. the technology slant. So it was, the technology guys came out with it as a cheaper way to do it, but they weren't really investors. They're technology first, investment second. Right. For us, um, we thought, hey, this is a great technology, but we want to stay uh, investment focused. And so as investor focused, we basically um, set up a system and an um, environment that we are high, highly um, astute to our clients in terms of service. Mm-hmm. But in terms of ETF, there's, a, there's a, a portion of our clientele that love the ETF model because of low cost. Well, right, let's talk about the ETFs then. Um, uh, how many, well, is it asset classes of ETFs or what's the ETF selection? Can you give us some background? Um, yes, we basically um, have 13 asset classes right now. Right. And that uh, ranges from large cap stocks, small cap stocks, international, um, uh, international REITs, U.S. REITs, and then a slew of fixed income. Okay. So the idea is um, our allocation goes from conservative to moderate to aggressive, and we have 12 different portfolios. And depending on your age range and your risk tolerance, mm-hmm. you get slotted into one of those um, portfolios, and you're invested for the long term. Okay, and this um, and the system that we have where people sign up for this, though, it pretty much determines where your risk level uh, should be. Yes, it's automated. So basically, right. when you go on the system, uh, we are partnered with um, Schwab, okay. um, so we use their technology, and when you go on the system, um, you, you answer 10 very simple questions. And by the time you're done, 
the system will say, we recommend this portfolio for you. Okay. And, and it's within a certain allocation. Okay. Well, let's talk about the ETFs, though, that are, can we talk about them specifically? I'm not sure if we have. Uh... No, we actually don't because that's a proprietary part ah, of, of what okay. we do and the allocation. Uh, I mean, we can if clients call us, but we don't advertise our selection because that's our competitive edge. Okay. I mean, each, each RoboVisor, and that's what you have to understand, they're all different. They, are, they aren't all the same because each RoboVisor picks their own ETFs and their own, own allocation. Mm -hmm. So one RoboVisor can be very conservative in approach. We are not. We are uh, performance driven. So we come from a, a world of being investment managers, and that um, that that mantra comes over to exact advantage. We we are performance driven um, in terms of everything we do. Right. Well, I mean, when you talk about REITs, for instance, is uh, one of the one of the groups that you're uh, that you discussed. Um, so you're talking about you get a nice a dividend yield from that. You also have oh, there's also growth. I mean, depending on the REIT that you're talking about and. Do the REIT ETFs or are these are actual? Uh, They're all ETFs, okay, and they all get reinvested, all okay. of the dividends. Okay, um, and it's there's a lot of thought behind the balanced portfolio. Right. Um, you know, this is all based upon uh, modern portfolio theory. It's been around for 100 years. Okay. Um, and modern portfolio theory is the idea of having a balanced portfolio sure. of multiple assets and then um, uh, tethering your portfolio to your to your risk level. Um, based upon your age, okay. in terms of uh, how you want to, um, you know, earn money for your retirement. And in a general sense, it's the older you are, the less risk you want to take on. Exactly. The reason why there is um, different uh, segmentations of the portfolio is the older you are, the more fixed income you have. Right. Um, and it's, um, uh, but it depends on the timing. I mean, we get a lot of clients now because what happened with the election. Sure. That's what I was just going to bring up. Right. right. Who, who are older, who have requested that. Um, they go into more aggressive um, allocations because fixed income, uh, in, in theory, will you know is going down because interest rates will go up. So, it's a, it's almost like a backstop in case there is a, a maybe a pullback in the equities market. Well, so you, you want coverage there, but you're it's not really where the main focus is currently. Well, I mean the, the whole thing and the reason why there's a uh, a group of uh, portfolios is because in terms of investing. People have to understand um, it's an emotional thing. Right. So For people sure. think they want to be really aggressive, but when the market goes down and corrects, they get very emotional and pull pull money out. Right. And so what you don't you don't want to do is you don't want to time the market. You want to be invested for the long term because it's almost impossible to uh, time the market and get in right at the right time and get out. Right. So if you have a balanced portfolio, like say 60 when the market goes down, the 40% of the fixed income will cushion that blow. Sure. So you'll be, you know, more calm during the corrections and be able to work through the down cycle because historically in the markets, there were long bull runs, sharp downturns. That's right. And big recoveries. Right. Um, so if you can stay invested for the long term and uh, the compounding nature of the markets, that's where the real growth is. Mm -hmm. Once you take the money out and stop compounding, that's a big hit. Uh, right. So these these portfolios we've created and most row advisors are created so you can withstand um, any large dislocations of the market mm -hmm. and still make money. Because think about it, if you are in fixed income, market goes down, you're still generating income from there. That's right. Um, so And it cushions a blow because it's not equity investment. Right. And it's something that Mitch talks about all the time. By the way, it's called the steady investor, this program. So we want to make sure. You, you know what? This is exactly the steady investor. That's I mean, right. I mean, you know, 
this all comes together from Mitch and from Zach's. It's, it's the mm -hmm. philosophy of the um, larger fund flows down to our fund. Right. Um, you know, because the same guys who design that are designing our fund and managing um, the allocation on a monthly basis. Yeah, right. And what I was going to say is that uh, Mitch has said many, many times in this program that when you see incremental increases uh, in the market, but when you see a pullback, it's pretty sudden and can be kind of drastic, which is why you want that cushion, which is why you want it to kind of to sop up a lot of that uh, loss when it does happen. Right. And the other thing about, you know, a low fee structure, um, it's attractive because um, obviously the less you pay, the more invested into your portfolio over the long term. Mm -hmm. um, and the nice thing about um, Zach's Advantage is the efficiency of technology really help you out in terms of your long term investment because uh, there's automatic rebalancing by an algorithm oh. that every day goes through your portfolio and sees where you are. Okay. And if you need rebalancing, the algorithm automatically rebalances your portfolio to keep you in the uh, risk tolerance you want to be in. And then uh, tax loss harvesting is automatic also. So therefore, if you some of your assets are underperforming and you sell them, they're all automatically uh, tax loss harvested. So at the end of the year, the net net, your losses automatically offset your gains. Oh, interesting. So it's not reliant on somebody pulling up your file in order to look at what, what needs to be adjusted. Or typically what happens is in, um, in normal management that's not automated mm -hmm. is they either say once a month or, or every six months will rebalance portfolio. Right. work. This is a computer doing it. So it's super efficient. So the, 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 the more efficient you are in rebalancing, the better your returns will be. Is it market driven or because it's a daily basis, it doesn't matter, it's always going to be. You know, basically the algorithm works that there's a certain band that if, you're, if, you, if your assets go up or down a, a, a certain band and you're outside of the allocation, uh -huh. it will sell off the excess and pull you back to where you should be. Okay. So um, it, doesn't re, it doesn't rebalance every day, only when it's needed, but the system goes through the um, the review every day. Okay, that's very interesting. Uh, so listeners of uh, The Steady Investor, we're, we're speaking with Scott Schneider, who's the president of Zach's Advantage, and I want to get out, give out the phone number, if that's okay with you, Scott. Sure. Uh, so the, the number to call Zach's Advantage, to speak to somebody there, uh, is 1-888-989-2257. And I imagine you'll get a person to speak to who won't go right to the robo-advisor itself. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Okay, great. We actually are very customer-driven, uh, so that's one thing. We were very conscious when we created this platform was just because you're automated doesn't mean that you get no service. So basically, right. we've taken the wealth management service into the automation world. Mm -hmm. So if you're a client, you know we're available uh, 24 hours a day or well, 12 hours a day, sure. but, but we're very responsive to our clients' needs. Um, so we want to um, actually um, overachieve in, in that segment of our market. Um, so we are very cognizant of, of clients and taking care of them. In terms of, in terms of what we do uh, in, the, in the portfolios, um, the advantage of being with Zach's is the research side. You know, we, sure. we use um, the uh, Zach's investment research um, ETF ranking system, which is proprietary, sure. to review all of our ETFs. And the reason why it's important to review ETFs and be very, very diligent is because there's a, now there's thousands of ETFs. Sure. The ETF market blew up in the last uh, seven or eight years. Yeah. I mean, in, you know, there used to be a couple of big ETFs. Now there's ETFs for everything. And the problem with that is the oversight isn't that great. So therefore, if you're in an ETF that's brand new and has no liquidity, mm -hmm. and the market goes south, the spread of the ETF can go very wide and you can lose a lot of money. Okay. Uh, because what happens is if an ETF is very... Um, you know, 
is a life float, okay? And the markets go down and everyone's selling who's buying. Okay, so, so what we do is that we go through the ETFs very carefully to pick the best in class and make sure that they, there's high liquidity in them. And every quarter we look at them and if any of those ETFs we have fall in the bottom two thirds of the ranking, mm-hmm. we switch out with a better ETF. Okay. And then we also look for the lowest cost. So we want the lowest cost ETF with best in class. So our, our investors get um, you know the lowest fees possible for essentially the best performance. And like you say, with such a wide variety these days, you can actually do that because there's yes. more than there's more than just a couple out there yeah. in each different uh, sector. Um, that's very, very interesting. Um, how about in- institutional division for independent advisors? Could you speak on that a little bit? Oh, that's something we've just launched um, okay. because there was a uh, actually, you know, what we didn't go out and launch it. It came to us. All right. Um, we had a couple of articles and we got a lot of interest from um, the uh, independent advisor market. Okay. Um, they are just going through a new um, update of the Department of Labor fiduciary rules, which mm-hmm. makes them more um, uh, liable for their clients. Okay. And so a lot of um, independent advisors are looking for highly transparent um, investment solutions um, with low fees. Okay. And so an ETF um, delineated uh, uh, offering is very attractive. And so we thought, hey, this is great. If advisors want their small clients to mm-hmm. be in an ETF portfolio that's very transparent, we are a good um, solution for them. Oh, good. So it's another way to build out this whole uh, right. operation. Right, exactly. We think there's an attractive uh, business in, in, in the uh, IRA, in the, IRA, uh, in the um, independent advisor market, yeah. That's very good. Let me give out that number again for Zach's Advantage. We're talking with Scott Schneider, by the way, from the president of Zach's Advantage. And that number uh, to reach, well, I guess you wouldn't get you, but you'd get somebody <laughs> in your office. And that'd be one 989 2257. And then for more information about how to best invest your assets for retirement, you can also call Zach's Investment Management, the Wealth Management Division, right here in Chicago. And that number is 800-918-3114. And there, go ahead. I'd say one last thing before we sign off here. Um, If you have interest in Zach's Advantage, go to zachsadvantage.com. Okay, very good. And timing couldn't be better. This month only, we're offering um, a promotion. Thirty uh, percent off all fees for the life of your account. Terrific! So that's, that's great. that brings the fees way down. So it's a great deal, and I I encourage everyone to look into it. A great time for you to to for you to have been on the Steady Investor as well. That's <laughs> exactly. very good. So I hope everybody out there heard that. Um, and also, please uh, call us up, discuss at length your risk levels, uh, your investment strategies uh, that are best for you and your family, um, and. And that's at Zach's Investment Management as well as Zach's Advantage. Uh, Scott Schneider, thank you very much for being here today. Thank you. After the the break, we're going to go do our our greatest hits of uh, Mitch Zach's on uh, Mitch on the Markets and the Steady Investor. So we hope you'll stay tuned for that. And thank you for being here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The Steady Investor Show is brought to you by Zach's Investment Management, a wealth management boutique formed over 23 years ago and manages several billions of dollars for thousands of customers. At Zach's, we believe acting in your best interest is our obligation. Zach's focuses on providing solutions and listening to our clients' needs. With trust in the financial industry at an all-time low, we find this focus to be a key differentiator for our firm. We're based in Chicago and have a team of advisor representatives located across the country to help you with your retirement planning. Whether you need help with financial planning 
or looking for a second opinion on your retirement plan. Give us a call at 1-800-918-3114 or to learn more, go to info at zax.com. Again, that number is 1-800-918-3114 or go to info at zax.com. Fast performance is no guarantee of future results. Potential for loss exists in any investment. Material is for informational purposes only. It is not investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice. A recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. No advice is given about a strategy's suitability for a particular investor. listening to The Steady Investor. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to cgaitan at zax.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to The Steady Investor, sponsored by Zax Investment Management. I'm Mark Vickery, joined by Mitch Zacks, Portfolio Manager and Founding Principal at Zacks Investment Management. Um, I wanted to say, well, before we get back into a discussion, Mitch, I just wanted to say, yeah, please, we'd love to hear from you. If you're listening to the show uh, and you'd like to talk to Mitch about, uh, about your investments or about anything that you see uh, on the horizon as far as the economy or as far as uh, what to do about that. Also, if you'd like to get John Blank's uh, strategy or economic outlook, it's, uh, we can give that to people who call in. What is the uh, number again, yeah, Mark? Oh, so I'm going to give out the number. Okay, that's that's 1-800-918-3114, and that's for the free stock market outlook. I know for a fact that John Blank does this tomorrow. He's okay. going to come out with it as soon as the jobs number Got it. comes out. He's going to, well, we're going to try to have it published. Then you, probably by Monday it'll be out, and then we can send it right to you. Just call that number, 800-918-3114. And for more information about how to best invest your assets for retirement, you can call Zach's Investment Management right here in Chicago. Again, that number, 800-918-3114. Uh, you can discuss at length your risk levels and investment strategies that are best suited for you and your family. And for more information, you can email us at info at zimwealth.com or visit our website online. Um, obviously, it's online. It's zimwealth.com, Z-I-M for Zach's Investment Management, wealth.com. Okay, Mitch, let's okay. pick it right up where we left okay, off. Okay, got it. And we were talking about lower tax rates coming in, the, the, the President-elect yes. Trump's administration. Yes. I, I was curious. What companies, what, what's the type of company, without getting too specific, I, I think, uh, or maybe you can, if okay. you, uh, that might get hit by a lower okay. tax rate. So what we're talking about is a lower corporate tax rate. Right, and what's right. very important for people to realize that when they talk about earnings per share or when they talk about the earnings attributable to share classes, that is after taxes. So taxes, is, it's not a pre-tax earnings, it's an after-tax earnings. Right. So companies with tax rates, effective tax rates, which is what they're effectively paying. There are two sets of books all companies keep. They're the financial set, and then there's the set for the uh, for taxes. And the amount that they're paying in taxes is based on the set of books that are not shown to public investors that they uh, that they give to the uh, tax uh, the, the ta- taxation uh, that shows what taxes they're actually paying. Okay. Now, if the effective tax rate is higher than the rate they're lowering it to, they're going to benefit. But there are certain companies out there that have what are, are called net operating losses, okay? Right. There's not, and what they do is these are companies that are usually startup companies. They've lost a tremendous amount of money. Uh, the, the company has these losses that they're carrying forward, and that's a tax shield. But the value of that tax shield is reduced if the uh. tax rates fall. 
So if you talk about some startup company, they tried to do this product, they wasted $90 million or $100 million, they have $100 million in net operating losses. Someone would look at that and say, well, if I can take that company and I can acquire a company with profits, okay, right. I can use these net operating losses that I'm carrying forward to offset the you know, $100 million in operating gains that are occurring. Right. And the net result is if I push these two companies together, uh, what will happen is the uh, combined entity will not have a tax bill to pay. It's very similar to what Donald Trump did. I was just going to say, isn't yeah, that how it's, we it's made... the exact same thing. So if the corporate tax rate goes lower... The benefit of net operating losses also goes lower. So corporations, it's very weird. You've seen a couple companies uh, where they have a large amount of losses that they can carry forward, and the value of those companies have actually gone down because the ability of that company to use it as a tax shield is going to go down. So that's going to these companies are going to be micro cap companies. So I don't want to get into their names, right? right. Uh, but they're going to be smaller cap companies where they have large, uh, you know, large amounts of losses. And people are looking at that and saying, well, this company tried to develop XYZ drug, they tried to develop XYZ product, and they have $150 million in uh, after-tax, in, in losses. Right. Well, that that's worth $45 million in a tax shield to someone. So if they can take that company and uh, they, they combine that company with a company that's generating uh, gains, uh, they have this tax benefit, a tax asset of $45 million. Because you're writing all that off. Right. That tax asset has decreased in value if the corporate income tax falls. So the winners are these small cap and mid cap companies whose effective tax rates are higher than the corporate income tax rate. And the losers are these companies with net operating losses that are shell companies that were valued based upon the tax shield that combining that company with someone else would effectively accomplish. Is it really that, so President Trump who made net operating losses part of his balance sheet, we assume. Well, no, he was a smart guy. I mean, he, he, he was able to reduce his taxes over long periods of time. But now he's going to make that disappear? or I, I don't know if it's going to make it disappear, but it's going to make the value of net operating losses lower. So these, these, these shell companies, and they're not great companies to own. You would never look at it. And the, the reason people buy it is for this special situations uh, instance where the value of the tax shield uh, is high enough because, of, because they have these losses. Right. And they look at those companies and they say, okay, those companies, the, the value of that tax shield has to decrease. Okay. So, so, and it's, it's the same exact thing you're seeing a little bit to less of an extent in the municipal bond world. People pay up for municipal bonds above corporate uh, or treasuries mm -hmm. uh, because they get a uh, favorable tax treatment. The income that they get from the municipal bond is not taxed at the federal or state level usually. Sometimes right. the state depends on what the municipal bond is. So if those tax rates fall, the benefit of that decreases. Right. The price of these muni bonds are coming down and their yields are going up. So muni bonds are selling off uh, as much, if not more, than treasuries. And it's the same thing. So you're going to see these changes in taxes that occur over time. And for the most part, the middle market, uh, mid-cap companies and small-cap companies and small-large-cap companies with high effective tax rates are going to benefit. Right. But there are companies with, uh, you know, you can look at some of these very, very large high-tech companies. And you look at their effective tax rate, and it's like close to zero. And uh, they're not going to benefit from the lower corporate income tax rate. So, again, it, it, over long periods of time, the change in the corporate income tax rate should help these companies. It will hurt these small stub 
companies that are uh, trading based on their net operating losses. Now, we've seen tremendous growth uh, since the election in small cap stocks, a lot of that because uh, these are mostly U.S.-based uh, companies that deal, right? Not exposed to tariffs, right. lower corporate income taxes, uh, beneficiary from increased uh, government spending. The uh, middle market banks benefit more from reduction in financial regulation than large cap banks. But what you just described is a kind of a leaner, meaner uh, uh, scenario yeah. really for these companies to exist in. So is it just make profits or else? Or how, how, do, how do you foresee this um, kind of coming about? Well, the, the, the small regional banks are the, a huge beneficiary of this. So the, I think one of the ideas is you're going to free up these small, mid-sized banks, and they're not small banks. I mean, they're, they're only small relative to these uh, BMFs That's like right. uh, JP Morgan. Right. Uh, but these are uh, regional banks that people would know in their uh, couple of states and uh, with several billion dollars in assets. And uh, they're, they're going to be freed up, hopefully, to do more lending. And right. so the concept is if they lend, you're going to see uh, the, the company that's not public that uses the bank loan to grow, to buy more capital, be able to expand a little bit better. Okay. And so if that occurs, that could be hugely beneficial uh, for these small and mid-sized banks and for the economy as a whole. Plus, when interest rates rise, which we are assuming is yes. going to happen in a couple of weeks, um, that's also good because then they can charge higher rates. It's, it's it's not the level of interest rates; it's the differential. It's the slope of the interest. Okay. It's the differential between what they have to pay on their uh, the balances and what they can charge on mortgage rates. It's the margin. If mortgage. Okay, so look at it this way: uh, the the income rates. Uh, what you would get if you put a CD in the bank was close to zero, and the mortgage rate was what about four percent or right. something like okay. that, right? Now let's fast forward and let's say what you get on what you put in the bank is half a percent and the mortgage rate is now 5%. Okay. Okay. They're making the spread. So where that spread was uh, 4%, that spread is now 4.5% and that's now annualized every year. Right. Okay. So okay. they're making an extra. So they were making 4%. And this small little change, the, the, the short-term rate came up to 50 basis points, right. uh, and it, it, I don't think it's up that high, and the mortgage rate's gone up to 5%, let's just say. Uh, now they're making 4.5%. That extra half a percent is a 10%, uh, 15% increase in their earnings right. that they were occurring. So banks want a steepening yield curve with mild inflation. But they don't want very, very high inflation. Okay. If they get very high inflation, it, it hurts banks. And the reason is the bank will, uh, again, it's the differential between the short-term rate and the long-term rate. Right. So what, what is the bank doing? It's giving the loan out at 4.5%, 5%, and it's paying these deposits, and it's paying them at a half a percent. The next year it pays it whatever it is. If you have inflation, yeah. they've locked in their 4.5% that they're uh -huh. earning, and every month, now it's half a percent, now it's 75 basis points, now it's 100 basis points, now it's 100, now it's huge inflation. Now, three years out, they're paying 3% on their deposits. Right. It's now the margin on that loan has decreased dramatically. Right. So the bank wants some degree of inflation because small inflation will cause the yield curve to be upward sloping. But they don't want a, a very high degree of inflation because high degrees of inflation will eliminate the profits that they make from their lending, essentially. Right. Now, some of their lending is based upon uh, a floating rates. It's saying, what is the 10-year rate? And they're gonna charge above that. But again, what they're charging above that is locked in. Okay, mm -hmm. we will give you a loan for 120 basis points above the, the treasury. And then if you start seeing interest rates go up, the interest rates go up and, and people want more because they're expecting more inflation. So the bank 
right now, if you see a low inflationary environment with an upward sloping yield curve, the benefit are these mid-sized banks. Their profits go up dramatically. Yeah. And you've seen, uh, in terms of economic data, that's useful to look at. I'm not sure you can trade off the jobs data that much besides the initial response. But looking at the total corporate uh, earnings of banks that's uh, disclosed to the, to the banking administrator uh, is, is, is more beneficial and, and we're seeing there an increase in bank profits. Okay. So if the bank profits, it's the same thing as why in 2009 these banks were too big to fail because the bank, the banking sector is what provides the cash or the money for the rest of the sectors to grow. And so if you have a strong banking sector that is lending out money, mm -hmm. they're lending out money to people to start companies, uh, to grow their companies, that's very beneficial for everyone uh, going on. Okay, these uh, m uh, small, medium-sized banks are often referred to as regional banks. Yes. Are there any particular regions that come to mind that might be more? I would look at Midwest-based regional banking. So if, if, if the administration is trying to focus on keeping jobs in the Midwest and sort of the Rust Belt, the banking companies in those regions would tend to do relatively well. And why is that? Uh, because you're going to see you're going to see policies enacted that help those regions essentially. More jobs. More jobs. I, I would not bank. I would not bet on a California bank. I mean, it's just it. You know, I wouldn't say that. Yes, there's going to be uh, trends that benefit them, but where the real pain is being hurt is at is is in these regional banks in the Midwest and things like that. And the real pain is not even from the differential in the uh, short-term and long-term rates. It really is in the regulations. So okay. for uh, you know for J.P. Morgan to satisfy the regulations, it, it's it, you know yes they can do this. Yes, it costs the money, but it's not a huge issue. The same amount of uh, money has to be spent by the small regional bank. Right. And so as a result, as a percentage of their total asset base it's a much higher tax on them effectively. Sure. And so if you reduce that, it's going to help these small regional banks uh, become profitable. And you mentioned and the they are profitable, but it's going to help them grow their profits over time. Okay, and you're saying Rust Belt, and we know that they had problems uh, with uh, with unemployment and uh, all this other kind of stuff, probably led to partly the outcome of the election. Yes. Um, so extent. we're coming off very low lows then too. Yes. So you're going to see even more dramatic growth, you're thinking. Well, the, the issue is that the market is 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 shooting first and asking questions later. Yeah. So it's already responding to these issues. That's why uh, XLF, which is a, uh, a banking ETF, had one of its best days, best months ever, right. uh, up double digits. And, and the reason is uh, because the market is reacting to what it expects to have happen. And the real question for an investor is not, are these expectations correct? Is will what is going to happen materialize greater or worse than existing expectations. Right. So will the growth, will the tax cut, will the increase in uh, government spending, uh, will the upward sloping yield curve, will the reduction in regulations be higher or lower than what the market is pricing in? Yeah. And it feels to me the market is highly, it, it, the other thing I don't like, so so one thing it feels like the market is might be a little bit overreacting, and then what I also don't like is every strategist out there is now raising their long-term price target for the end of 2017, uh -huh. and there aren't many signals. I mean, I've I've done a, a little bit of research on trying to find you know, a couple uh, a couple years of research on trying to find signals to predict the market direction, and uh, all the signals have very very low statistical significance. They're not that. Uh, they're useful. Okay. But the ones that uh, do seem to have some ability, one of them is 
look where the majority of Wall Street strategists are making their change in terms of their consent, their forecast, and the uh, it's a contrarian signal. So okay. when you have multiple Wall Street analysts reducing their price target, uh, the market has a slightly greater chance to rise. And when you have multiple analysts increasing their price target, the market actually has a better chance to fall. And so what happened in this case- Or miss expectations. Or miss expectations. So it's like, you're seeing the strategists become bullish. You're seeing the market become bullish. You're, you're, you're expecting earnings growth to occur from the tax change. You're expecting earnings growth uh, to occur from the increase in government spending. You're expecting earnings growth to occur from a upward sloping yield curve. You're expecting earnings growth to occur uh, from a uh, reduction in financial regulations. Yeah. And these expectations are being built into the market. This and so what happens is when expectations get built into the market, it's easier to miss those expectations. Right. When there are no expectations built into the market, when the strategists are all lowering their price target, uh, it's easier to surprise to the upside. And we were talking about this a couple months ago. Yeah. And we said, listen, everything is negative. The strategists are negative. The outlook is negative. The jobs number is negative. The GDP note growth number Back is negative. Back in the negative. summer when we started right, right. studying And that. we said, listen, when these expectations are all negative, it's easier to surprise to the upside. Now all the expectations are becoming positive. Yeah. People are getting excited about the market. They're saying, how do I invest? How do I invest in companies that are going to be benefited by the new administration? I now want to start putting my money to work. And right? that, and when retail investors or individual investors start saying that, it's not necessarily a great sign. So what my my and that's because of the exuberance now. It, it's because exactly what we said. All these things that people are expecting are now, they're not waiting for those expectations to be met. Right. It's like Facebook. They're expecting it to grow and continue to grow at this uh, double-digit rate. So they they're it, they're right. valuing it high now. And so the, the prices are responding to these expectations. Right. The expectations are getting built into the prices. And when the expectations get built into the price, it's usually easier to surprise to the downside. Now, we're coming off a period of time, like we said in the summer, where there were very dire, negative, pessimistic expectations. Right. So it's possible the market is underreacting to it, but it's also possible that if X, Y, and Z happens and the tax rate doesn't get cut as much as people are expecting and the government spending doesn't get cut as much, uh, doesn't get increased as much as people are expecting, you're going to see negative expectations. But my intuitive bet is that the administration is going to go all out to try and push the market higher because of the potential linkage between the market and uh, Manhattan real estate. Oh, and then but it comes it, down to that. It doesn't come down to that, but it's just but like it's, you're, you're keeping that as uh, keeping an eye I on think that. they're going to keep pushing. So it's like, but my, my, my general impression is that it generally, if you're sitting here and you're looking at the market go up and you're saying, well, my treasuries are off dramatically, it's time to sell the treasuries and put into the market. Try and hold the treasuries, try and hold your fixed income that you have, try and keep your equity and debt mix in such a way uh, that you're indifferent between the market rising 10% and the market falling 10%. Very good. And uh, if you can do that, you're going to be better off over time. So do not start trying to say, okay, you have a 80-20 mix between equity and debt. Now all of a sudden debt prices are falling. Should I go to a 90-10? Try and keep the equity and debt mix constant over the next five to 10 years of your investing career. And if you can do that, eventually when the expectations uh, get ahead of prices and the expectations are not met and prices fall, uh, you're going to be able to recover better and you're going to be able to just stay invested over a long period of time. We're listening to Mitch Sachs, Portfolio Manager and Founding Principal at Zach's Investment Management. This is The Steady Investor. We're going to take a short break and be back for our third segment. Please stay tuned. 
the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. The Steady Investor Show is brought to you by Zach's Investment Management, a wealth management boutique formed over 23 years ago and manages several billions of dollars for thousands of customers. At Zach's, we believe acting in your best interest is our obligation. Zach's focuses on providing solutions and listening to our clients' needs. With trust in the financial industry at an all-time low, we find this focus to be a key differentiator for our firm. We're based in Chicago and have a team of advisor representatives located across the country to help you with your retirement planning. Whether you need help with financial planning or looking for a second opinion on your retirement plan, give us a call at 1-800-918-3114 or to learn more, go to info at zax.com. Again, that number is 1-800-918-3114 or go to info at zax.com. Fast performance is no guarantee of future results. Potential for loss exists in any investment. Material is for informational purposes only. It is not investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice. A recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. No advice is given about a strategy's suitability for a particular investor. listening to The Steady Investor. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to cgaitan at zax.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to The Steady Investor, sponsored by Zacks Investment Management. This is Mark Vickery with Mitch Zacks, Portfolio Manager and Founding Principal at Zacks Investment Management. Uh, Mitch, I do want to continue our conversation, but I also want to go back and say, for more information about how to best invest your assets for retirement, call Zacks Investment Management right here in Chicago at 800-918-3114. You can discuss at length your risk levels and investment strategies that are best suited for you and your family. Uh, you can also get more information by emailing us at info at zimwealth.com or visit our website, which is also zimwealth.com. Uh, to get our free stock market outlook from John Blank, who's the Zach's chief strategist for Zach's Investment Management, um, again, call that number, 800-918-3114. The new edition is coming out uh, tomorrow, I believe, uh, and it's very, very informative, comprehensive. It really is what investors need to be uh, concerned with and, and thinking about. So, Mitch, let's go to the Mitch on the Markets uh, article, okay. which comes out every week uh, through Zach's Investment Management's website. Um, and I'm looking at one headline here, which I found particularly intriguing, and it says, post-election bond route, trouble yeah. brewing. Okay, so we have something else. Uh, to uh, maybe concern ourselves with uh, looking forward. Uh, U.S. Treasuries have sold off sharply uh, since the election. Obviously, it was for the reasons that we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. um, we're seeing the 10-year the Treasury went from 1.88% to 2.14 on November 18th, and the 30-year saw a similar spike uh, from 263 to 3.01 over the same period. Uh, now, with interest rates so low, there, these might seem like incremental upticks, but in reality, they re represent a large percentage increase over a short period of time. So what do you make of this? Of this? The issue is that if interest rates rise, bond prices are going to come under pressure. Okay. Uh, and you're going to continue to see interest rates continue to tick up. I don't <clears throat> think you're going to see, I, I am fairly certain the Federal Reserve is going to raise rates at the end of, uh, you know, in the December meeting, and you're, you're going to see them effectively, uh, you're going to see rates uh, effectively go up. And as rates uh, continue to rise, it's going to put downward pressure on fixed income instruments, 
and it's going to uh, it's going to accelerate this movement uh, into uh, equities. Okay. And so the issue is, do you participate in that movement by joining the crowd, the mass movement of assets? Mm. Do you sell your bonds and buy equities? And to that, what I would say is that you should have a mixture between equity and debt instruments, between equity and fixed income, mm -hmm. so that regardless of whether equities outperform fixed income or fixed income outperforms equities, you're pretty constant in that allocation. And the reason is that uh, equity prices and bond prices are negatively correlated. Right. If you want to make the highest return over a long period of time, trying to get as much into the equity market as possible and just staying there is the best way uh, to do it. Uh, but uh, uh, in order to do that and to bear the, to stay in the equity markets when the equity market's correct, and they absolutely will continue to correct and they will continue to sell off at certain periods of time, you need some in fixed income. Because generally speaking, if there uh, begins to be a feeling that there's an economic contraction occurring, yeah. and no one's talking about an economic contraction, not which now. makes you, again, it's not priced in. Right. Uh, in the summer, it was all malaise and there's a, so it's not priced in, but if there is an economic retract, uh, contraction, you're gonna see interest rates start to fall a little bit, and as interest rates fall, bond prices are going to go up. So the, the bonds are really, we tend to, at the firm, use our fixed income exposure as a means of reducing uh, the overall volatility of a client's portfolio so they can bear their weighting in equities over long periods of time. Right. So if you said, how do you generate the most amount of money for, for over the next 10 years? Okay. I would say put as much money into the U.S. equity market as possible, uh, put a little bit into the developed uh, equity market, avoid emerging markets, and avoid fixed income. Right now. And keep, and yeah. At any point in time. Okay. 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 Unless interest rates are incredibly, incredibly high, but even then, interest rates might fall. So you generally, equities will generally expected, the expected uh, return for equities is higher than that for bonds. Right. And the compounding effect of that is dramatic. But you need to stay invested. You need to take the proceeds and reinvest it over time. However, I will tell you that over those 10-year period, there'll be a contraction. There'll be a 10% correction. There'll be a time of pure panic in the marketplace. Right. All these things will occur. And at that point in time, if you panic with everyone else, if you correct when everyone else corrects, you will not make that rate of return. So you need some exposure to fixed income. So when the panic hits in the equity markets, when the correction hits in the equity markets, like I guarantee you it will, you don't get uh, shaken out of the market. Right. And so that is the key. It's a psychological issue. If you can ignore the psychology, 100% equity investment is a very reasonable allocation over long periods of time. You see that happen that people invested in 2007. And they invested in 2007 and they, they kept 100% uh, in equities. Market sells off in 2008. They don't panic. Yeah. They hold their equities. It is now past its uh, previous highs. That's right. Right? And over that period of time, so if you invested at the absolute top tick of the market, uh, which was probably in 2007, and you held it now uh, for nine years, and it's 2016. The market is now at the same point it was at. So you've made no money on the market yeah. and you've made a 2%, 2.5% uh, return on the uh, dividend payments that you've made. Right. And so if you can invest in the market and not get shaken out 
and you can invest again. That will work over a period of time when it's the greatest financial crisis since the uh, Great Depression. Mm. We're going to have crises going forward, but if you estimate they're not going to be as bad as what happened in two thousand and eight, right? You're going to be okay. And even if they are as bad as in two thousand and eight, if you don't it, panic, if you don't panic, you do okay. Yeah. It's very hard though. In March of two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm sitting there and seeing 40% of your net worth drop in your 100% equity exposure, not to panic. And that's why you need the fixed income in your portfolio. So you need the fixed income in the portfolio, not because we think interest rates aren't going to rise, and not because we don't think fixed income is going to underperform. You need it so that when the market turns against you, you can stay invested. It stops up that volatility. It stops up the volatility. Now, a lot of this has to do with your personal timing in the market. If you invest in 2003 and you ride the market up to 2008 mm-hmm. and you're now double your, your, your initial investment, you may be able to handle a 20% pullback much easier than if you initially invest in 2008 and uh, you immediately start, uh, we go into the financial crisis. Right. And so, so the key thing is to realize it is a long-term game. You know how the game ends. The game ends with the U.S. equity market uh, heading higher as U.S. corporate earnings increase over time. Right. The entire system, the, the political system, the financial system, uh, the, the capitalist system is designed to cause equities to increase in price over time. Mm-hmm. You're betting on that system, and that bet on that system has been a very good bet over the last 100 years. It will be a good bet over the next 100 years. I right. guarantee you. So the issue for an investor is whether they can deal with the volatility. And when you see a sell-off, very dramatic, just as the market went up dramatically, the market can go down dramatically. Right. And if you see that dramatic sell-off, that an individual not panic, not sell equities, but can stay invested. And for the individual to accomplish that, it's often important that they have some degree of fixed income exposure. Right. What's interesting is we've been doing this show for about a half a year now. Yeah. And um, it, what, what a difference from, from our outlook. We're, every, yeah. we're saying, oh, we are in this long bull market. How much longer can it possibly run? It's, it's running now out of gas. Now everyone's rushing to get into the bull market. Well, so, right. Is it the same bull market? It's path, or? It's, 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 it's path independent, which what that means is that your chance, it's like a fractal, your chance of the market going up or down in any year is about a 70% chance of it going up and a 30% chance of it going down. Okay. okay? So your chance of getting uh, two down years in a row is about a 10% chance. Chance of getting three down years in a row is about 3% chance. Okay. Okay? But after you've had two down years in a row, the chance of getting the next down year is still 30%. So it's an independent event okay. where what happens next is not determined by what's happened historically. So you know you have an independent uh, realization of a return where the expected rate is six to nine percent and the standard deviation is fifteen to seventeen percent. Okay. The best course of action in that, when presented with that, if that is what is really being uh, really occurring, is you invest in the market and you stay invested and you ignore the fluctuations. So even at these levels, even if you wanted to get started right now, we're already at. You uh, want to do the highs. same thing you're doing now as you would. Uh, in the summer, as you would in 2009, as you would in 2012, as you would in 2007. Right. Because what, what, what hasn't changed, what's happened is the past has changed. The realization of the market has changed. Okay. But what you expect to happen has not. Interesting. So what you expect to happen is independent of what happened last month. 
It's very hard for people to understand this. They expect the market to keep going up because the market went up. They expect the market to keep going down because the market went down. But at any point in time, the chance of the market going up statistically is about 70% and the chance of it going down is about 30%. Okay. And that's regardless of what's happened historically. And it's also not highly tied to what the P multiple is, what GDP numbers are and all these other things because it's not based upon what happens in the future. It's based upon what people expect to happen in right. the future, right. what they've priced in and how the realization compares to the expectations. So when the expectations become greater it's easier for the market to go down, but these are these are things where the expectations have to become very, very, uh, you know, sort of de-linked uh, de to reality uh, for the expectations to really have an effect. For the most result, in for the best result and the most likely scenario is you bet on what is called the base rate of the market. Okay. The base rate of the market is over the next 12 months, 70% chance it goes up. 30% chance it goes down. Mm -hmm. If it goes down, uh, it, you know, what happens next? 70% chance it goes up, 30% chance it goes down. So if I have a game with you uh, so, and then we, we bet money, I say, we're going to roll the dice and there's a 70% chance you, you're going to win, 30% chance you're going to lose, you have to spend money and you lose two times in a row, you don't stop playing the game. Right. Because the expected return of the game is positive and the expected return is independent of what happened the last roll. Right. And so that is the key to investing in the market is that you it's a very simple concept, but it's almost impossible for people to understand it because they expect the market to be reacting to the news and they expect to be able to predict what is going to happen with the market. Their knowledge of things, their emotional uh, input to it. Um, a lot of these things have a, have uh, this can be measured in, in their in their actions with dealing with the market. Right. And they, they expect. And so what the answer is that you cannot time the market mm -hmm. and you have to invest as if you cannot time the market because you can't time the market. So if you can't time the market, you don't want to change your equity and debt mix based on where you think the market is, is, is heading. What you want to do is try and make sure that you keep an equity and debt mix that is consistent with the risk level and that you can stay invested over long periods of time. And in investing in equities, you want to try and buy equities that have characteristics that tend to outperform the market and avoid buying stocks that tend to have characteristics that tend to underperform the market. Okay. So for instance, you want to try and uh, have companies that have low valuation multiples and avoid companies that have high valuation multiples. That's not to say low valuation companies will always outperform high valuation companies, but over a long period of time, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, you're, you're, if you buy stocks at lower prices relative to earnings, you will do better over longer periods of time. Now, over periods of time, things change. Everyone starts buying stocks with low PE multiples. So the ones that are left with low PE multiples might be really bad companies. They might be value traps. Right. And you have to adjust a little bit for that. But generally, over long periods of time, buying value tends to help over time. Buying stocks are receiving upward earnings estimate revisions tends to help over time. Buying stocks with lower short interest relative to shares outstanding tends to help over time. So what we're trying to do is on the equity side, give a bias towards these types of companies. And in terms of asset allocation, make the asset allocation so that the client can bear whatever is coming on and realize that movements in the market are independent over time. And the fact the market went up 
tells you nothing about what's going to go on going forward. That being said, and with that as a giant caveat, we'll, we'll, uh, December is usually a, an up month for the market, okay. statistically. And uh, small caps have something called a January effect, where they tend to outperform in December and January. So I will leave, we're coming down to the wire. I believe that small cap stocks that have had negative price momentum will outperform over the next uh, month, uh, month and a half. And the reason is that the, the, the stocks were sold off. They had small cap stock, it's owned by individuals, they're taxable people. They sold the stock off uh, to realize their taxable losses and the stocks have probably been sold off a little bit too much. And these are very small cap stocks with very negative momentum. Those should outperform over the next month and a half. That being said, as the caveat, you don't want to necessarily react to that. You want to just try and stay invested over long periods of time. We're going to have to leave it there. Mitch Zacks, thank you so much. You've been listening to The Steady Investor. Please join us next week. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week. Be sure to join Mitch Zacks and Mark Vickery for another edition of The Steady Investor next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you haven't started your retirement plan yet, what are you waiting for? 